Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk, and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the new and pre-owned Renault, Dacia, and Opel range. And a car finance specialist on-site to arrange a finance package that suits your budget. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Friday's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I'm just watching Helen Curran here reading the weather and the temperatures are going up, up, up. There's high pressure building. We're in for a cracker next week, that's for sure. Won't be too bad the bank holiday. Tomorrow maybe a shower or two, but Sunday, Monday, just giving you your early forecast is really lovely. And into next week and the following weekend, the temperatures are set to soar. Woohoo! Isn't it just great? Thank God for it. Welcome to Late Lunch. And I can tell you we're jammers for the next couple of hours. We have so much to get through. Uh, should I be talking about Christmas in May? I shouldn't, but I will be. I have your riddle on Friday for you. Brittany McIntegger's written her autobiography. It is some story. She's a lady who lives in Dundalk. Leon Brandt, Blanche is here with the sport and the Lionel Richie story continues. And more besides, I can tell you, for the next couple of hours. The numbers you'll need for the riddle. And if you want to comment, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show with your answers if you care to call in. It's 1850-715. Nine five eight. Now, my first guest, he's a personal trainer, an online coach with a huge following, and he's done something completely off the wall. He's actually eating a McDonald's every day for two weeks to sort of show to people that, look at, you can have a little of what's not supposed to be good for you and you'll still be OK. I take it that's the premise behind it, Oshin Mulligan. Hello, Oshin. How are you? What's the story? You hit the nail on the head with that one. Absolutely. That is exactly what I'm bringing across um, to people to show that there is no real inherently bad food that's going to make you grow an extra arm or going to make you put on loads of weight. And just to remove general fear around food, that's kind of the whole aim of the thing. Do you remember a fella called Morgan Spurlock? Did you ever hear of him? I did. I did from Super Super Size Me. I do believe that he wasn't doing a calorie-controlled diet and he was eating out of moderation. He was eating everything nearly. Um, yeah. That was kind of the opposite end of the scale. Yes, and I just wanted to, to mention him because I remember that well. He was only in his early 30s at the time, but he went really overboard. He had nothing but McDonald's three times a day uh, for 30 or more days. And, uh, yeah. he, you know, he did put on uh, the body mass, his cholesterol went up and stuff like that. And it was all, you know what I'm talking about, they were talking about, and we're still talking about, aren't we, in Ireland and the world obesity yeah. and, and where that can leave you. But you're slightly different. And I'm delighted you're doing this because... Don't people, Oshin, you know, when you get a fixation on this, you tend to cut out everything. 
Absolutely. And that's the number one reason why diets fail is because you cut out everything you shouldn't. And there's loads and loads of research gone in recently um, showing that that's why diets, diets fail. We stray too far away from what we like and we try to include foods maybe we don't like as well. So we try to go towards the asparagus. And they're all brilliant, very nutritious foods, but if you don't like them, there's no point including, including them. Include some foods that um, are healthy for you and then you can include the foods you do like alongside that. So it's okay to have that chocolate bar and not feel stressed about it or not feel um, any anxiety around eating it because eating disorders are huge as well and, and to be honest they're not really talked about enough either mm. and, and uh, you, you, you are um, a real advocate of this as well you say that if you go over the top and diet rigidly you're actually going to have the reverse uh, you know, effect ultimately Absolutely. that the weight will come on is, is that, that is true Absolutely, and there's proof around that everywhere I say. Everyone that's listening now has someone that they know that went on a rigid diet and their weight spiked straight back up. It's literally just from over-restriction, um, whether it be over-restriction of how many calories you're eating, there can be that too, or over-restriction of cutting out complete food groups, whether it be carbohydrates, fats, all, all of them nutrients play a role in our, body, in our body, and we need all of them. We need carbohydrates for our brain health and our brain function. We need fats for our testosterone levels as males and for our menstrual cycle as females. Um, there's roles for every single nutrient and there is nutrients in McDonald's obviously probably not the most nutrient dense food but there is there is carbohydrates there is fat there's some level of micronutrition in there as well and, and it's not to be feared Okay and uh, talking about exercise for a moment you're a man that was running uh, at least 10k a week and in fact more at times and you're, you're back to what uh, 10,000 steps a day a, a, at the moment and you've also uh, made a contention that I'm curious about that exercise yes it is good of course for all of our health and our mental health but it doesn't burn calories. Uh, it does so exercise does absolutely burn calories right? yes. But what I'm saying is it plays a minimal role in burning calories. Okay, so right. Day, we, our, our body actually burns calories doing non-significant stuff throughout the day, mm. such as me here tapping my foot on the ground, walking around, <laughs> uh, going to the fridge, opening up the fridge, going around. Because even if, we're, if we lay in bed all day long, um, we would burn calories, essentially. It's called our basal metabolic rate. And if you ended up in a coma, touch wood here, or anyone, the hospital would have to feed you a certain amount of calories to keep you alive. And that number is quite makes up a quite significant amount of calories that we burn in a day so you must reach reach that number and then our kind of daily activities of going to the fridge walking around the place make up the rest and exercise only makes up a small part what i do for health reasons recommend everyone to exercise but it doesn't have to be rigorous exercise that you don't like it can be exercise that you enjoy such as just walking walking everyone is accessible to be able to go out and do uh, walking is accessible to everyone you don't need a gym membership um, and it's easy to do can I ask you this from a personal point of view? I, I'm lucky. I, I haven't put on weight during my life much, maybe a little here or there, but I'm still relatively the same weight for years and years. And I wouldn't be, I did in my younger years, I was all into sport. But you know, as family comes along and life moves on and circumstances change, you know, I, I, I do a bit, mainly walking as such, and, and not yeah. even regularly, I have to say. Did a burst of it early in the year, but not at the moment. Can I burn, I feel I burn up uh, those uh, calories we're talking about through mental, you know, mentally being on the go all the time. Can I do, is that, is that something that happens? Yeah, so I've actually not done much research into that side of things, but I would probably imagine that there is because carbohydrates are used for brain function as yeah. well. So I would imagine, so I haven't done any research on that yes. side of things, but I imagine there probably is a significant amount of calories done um, through or burn through stress and stuff like that mm. and that's actually a huge reason why people um, accumulate 
um, weighed on them as well. It's got to do with the kind of stress side of life and anxiety and depression. That's how people end up putting on weight is because yes. people turn to food as a coping mechanism as well. Um, so you're actually probably quite lucky that um, you haven't kind of suffered with your weight because a lot of people do. Right, so when you're challenged there, it is a comfort, it is a fallback, and that I suppose with me, I have a reasonably good diet as well. I stick to that, uh, the wee bit of exercise thrown in. But I often felt that my metabolism, I'm going all the time. You know what I'm talking about, Oshin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. And I don't think like you don't come across to me as a person that would be afraid to go and have uh, have a piece of food that you enjoy. No. There is people out there. There is there is people that out there that would be that yeah. would think they have messed absolutely everything up. And the messages at the end of my videos is if you think if at the end of the day you've stuck to your diet or whatever and then at the end of the week you go and have a burger, that you can look back at my videos, my 14 days, and see I did not mess anything up and I ate a burger every single day for 14 days. Yeah. And, and, and I am, you're right, you're dead on, you have me spot on, I love me food, and I will now and again dip in or go off once a week or things like that, but I think in the overall context, I think maybe twice a week at times, Oshin, but anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean, I think in the overall context there's a balance there. Yeah, exactly. And that's the main thing is balance. I'm not suggesting everyone go off and have McDonald's every single day. I say it at the start of every single video as well. It is all about balance. And, and the way I explain it to kind of people that I work with is 80% of good, nutritious food and then 20% of the enjoyable foods, foods that you enjoy. And that's how you keep it a balance. And that's how um, you consistently stay with your diet. Because if I was to say to you now, what's your favorite food or the food you kind of go to every week? What, what would that be? I have to say that on at the weekends, I love a roast chicken and a full dinner. You know what I mean? With all the works, the roasties, load of yeah, veg yeah. on the plate and that as well. And I'm a big, I'm a big sort of Italian eater. I love the pastas, you know, and stir yeah. fries, that type of thing. They'd be actually not too bad. The sweetest thing, what would be the sweetest thing that you enjoy, I would say? Oh, now, so I don't, I, I, yeah, I have to say to you, I don't have a particularly uh, sweet tooth, to be honest with you now. Uh, but what? if you were to pin me down and say, uh, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what I do like. Uh, there's a local bakery here called McCluskey's and they do a lovely Oxford lunch or Madeira cake or things like that. I'd love a slice of those with a cup of tea. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. So if I told you now that you were going to come work with me for three months and I told you you weren't allowed that Madeira cake ever yeah. for them three months mm. at the end of them three months the first thing you're going to do is go to that shop and get as much Madeira cake as you can <laughs> a form of binge eating is what I would call that yes. if you had just included a little bit maybe every week or every two weeks you include a little bit that need to binge eat wouldn't be there and you wouldn't be thinking about it all the time but because I've told you that you're not allowed it what would happen is you're thinking about it all the time oh, I need that cake I need that cake I need that cake and then at the end, it's a big explosion. Yeah, you make a good point there. You really do. And uh, yes, I would, I, I'd be craving, that's for sure. But th- the yeah. other thing I, I notice as well, you, you have a huge following and, and this has gone down really well. Yeah, yeah. I've been receiving messages from nearly all over the world, actually, just before um, I came on here. I was getting messages across from a, another personal trainer um, that's around just um, talking to me about... Um, his his perspective on the whole thing and saying it was brilliant that I got the videos out there and that he actually did a similar challenge where he did something similar with um, KFC or something like that, I think. He, he had used another fast food uh, chain. Mm. And, you know, it, it does bring home to us that, you know, life is for living and there has to be a little bit of excess and going off the, the, the straight and narrow as well. It'd be a boring, bloody place for all of us if we, if we lived in a different type of, of world. And, that, and, and you're really good to get that message across, you know, and uh, in yeah. moderation. I have to ask, and I, I, I don't want to uh, ponder on this, but if you had, you, you put me on the spot with the Madeira, I'm putting you on the spot now. If you, had, <laughs> if you had one thing on the McDonald's menu, what would you go for? 
Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Jesus, I, I'm not a huge fan of McConaughey. <laughs> <so. laughs> one thing, come on, O'Shea. You're not sidestepping this one. You didn't let me. Some fries there. I'll take the fries. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Some people, you know what I mean? They're quite different and the way they're producing that as well. Uh, the little skinny fellas as well, but they're a big yeah. hit, hit with people for sure. But there you go. That's that's your pick from it and people like different things uh, as well. Yeah. Now, I believe this is the start of something uh, that's going to carry on because I believe turkey is next on the on the menu. Is that right? <laughs> it is. I, I, I've been planning now, I think. I'm uh, not, not 100% sure. I might give it a little break and then do another one, but my plan is to show people that um, it's not what you eat um, that makes you put on weight, but it's how much of it you eat. So I'm, I'm going to be doing a healthy eating challenge where I eat so-called healthy foods and put on weight. Um, so it's fairly easy to do as well. It's fairly easy to overeat any food. Um, so just to show that it's not necessarily bad food that makes you just put on weight, you can also do the same with good food. So oats, whatever, whatever someone would class as so-called good uh, I'm going to do the same thing and show people that you can put on weight doing that. And putting on weight just because it's from healthy food doesn't kind of make it any greater than than doing it the other way because with um, kind of having weight or ex- excess amount of weight, it's like obesity, it will come across where all-cause mortality rates would increase and um, so higher chances of disease and everything else, no matter what food is making, you put on the weight if you get me. Mm, uh, uh, John's on to us there to say uh, body mass in uh, BMI uh, uh, body mass what's the I for um, B- oh yeah, yeah. yeah index index sorry the body mass index is, is is that an important measurement do you use it at all uh, so it, it can be for, for the normal population if you go to your doctors that'll be the first thing they look at just because it, it gives you a rough idea of um a rough idea of how healthy a person is yeah. but for it doesn't take into account muscle mass personally I don't use it I use the weighing scale even at the weighing scale it's very inaccurate because of your stress or say for a woman it's coming up to her menstrual cycle your weight is going to go up at some point I actually prefer to use measurements or visual cues such as someone trying on a pair of trousers that's tight and then in a couple of weeks trying on again and then maybe it might be a little bit looser for them Yes, yes. So uh, it is a measurement that that is used, and uh, look, all these things point you in the direction of the scales. Of course, yeah. the scales are the ones, and you make a good point about the female and the male body, and especially the female at different times. Anyway, are you done now? Is the two weeks over? I am on my. I just got my wrap there about half an hour ago. I'm on my twelfth day. I have two days left. Good man. Well, listen, uh, you've made us think and it's food for thought, may I say, uh, in in what you've done. It's been really worthwhile. It really has. And it sends out uh, an interesting message indeed. And we can't beat ourselves up if we decide to have something, as we say, off the straight and narrow. I wish you well. Can I tell you one thing? Yeah. I really, really appreciate the questions that you had brought towards me um, today. Probably one of the best interviews I've done with regards to asking the proper questions and not focusing on the things that aren't important. Like the reason the videos um, went viral wasn't to, to, to because I was eating McDonald's or wasn't because um, people wanted to know what my favourite McDonald's was. But regard, regardless of that, it, was, it went viral because people feel fear around foods and stress around foods and feel like they're bad for consuming foods. So for the questions you asked, I am very appreciative. Um, of how well you can conducted the interview. Ah, oh, you're 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 too kind. You're too kind. Honestly, I thank you. I thank you indeed for those lovely words. But just before yeah. you go, tell them where they can see this happening in the online world, please. Yeah. So Mulligan Fitness, M U L L I G A I N Z, Fitness, and it's on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. 
Um, I'm sure you'll see my face on there somewhere. It's a, it's a green logo you'll see somewhere. Okay, Mulligan's Fitness is where you get it, folks, if you want to have a look at what this guy's doing. And he's gone on there shortly uh, to do some more stuff in, in the context of this whole two weeks that have been so worthwhile, I say again. Oshin, lovely to talk to you. Please, God, Thank we'll you. talk again down the road. Take care. Thanks very much. See you. Not at all. Bye-bye. That's Oshin Mulligan there. He's a personal trainer. He's a huge following in the online world as a coach as well. Interesting, isn't it? Don't beat yourself up. I'll have me old Friday take away myself this evening. We do tell you on Friday evenings there's no cook in the house. We cook every other day, to be honest with you, and prepare. And I'm not a bit guilty about it, I have to say. I just love the Friday treat every Friday and we can sit back and relax. I'm sure lots of people do that as well. It's a traditional day for the takeaway. It always was in my home going back to when I was a young lad. Now, let me give you your riddle on Friday early on the show today and let's see does Miss Louise Walsh jump out of the chair with joy that she's got it straight away. I'm watching her in the other studio here. So listen carefully. I will say this only once. No, I won't. Sure, I'll tell you again. You know me, Sherman. I'm a softy. Anyway, your riddle on Friday. My life can be measured in hours. I serve by being devoured. Thin I am quick, fat I am slow, wind is my foe. What am I? Will I do it again? Just once more. Okay, you ready? And answers, please. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me. Here we go. You're riddling Friday for a nice little prize on late lunch. My life can be measured in hours. I serve by being devoured. Thin I am quick, fat I am slow, wind is my foe. What am I? Go on, think about it. Get your answers in for the riddle. That's a tester for yesterday, I can tell you that. Anyway, up next on Late Lunch, we're looking ahead to Christmas. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go <laughs> haven't gone forward in a time capsule on late lunch today it's not the 1st of April we haven't lost the run of ourselves but did you know it was Christmas day in McVeigh's this week and McVeigh hello Hi Jerry. how are you? I don't know how <laughs> I, I am at the minute I'm going to be taken off the air here I tell you that for sure <laughs> You'd want to be in my house the other day. It was good. with was the songs the whole day. I nearly lost the run of myself. And and this is not a ball hop. You actually put up the tree and did everything. We did. We did, Jerry. Yes. Uh, last year, just due to everything with with coronavirus and the whole lot. Um, Jordan and his wife they they couldn't come home for Christmas, and it was the first time that they hadn't been here. They had they had one Christmas in Berlin. And they had intended to come home because he'd... I'm sorry, I'm walking. I want to stop walking. Uh, he'd missed his 30th birthday and that. So um, last year, Christmas, Alana said, so we can do a Christmas anytime, you know? And uh, and that's where the idea was born. <laughs> so we decided that when they got home, we, we had expected them to come home on a holiday at some stage. But in the interim, they decided to move back here to Drogheda. So um, after quarantining with us for a couple of weeks, uh, we decided, yeah, we'll sneak them back in for Christmas. So they had no idea. <laughs> so... We basically took out the tree, took out the crib, I set the Christmas table, cooked a full Christmas dinner. We had all the presents from Christmas. They were all under the tree and that. And for the little McVeighs, we got a couple of things as well for them to have there. And uh, and we had Christmas Day. That's what we did. <laughs> Christmas Day in McVeigh's. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I think it's simply brilliant. And, but I have to ask you this, we've had lovely temperatures this week. Was it hot? Oh my god! Now I know why Christmas is in December because nobody should have to cook a turkey and a ham <laughs> in June. It's just not natural. 
<laughs> oh my god! And the, the, everybody just got into it, into the spirit of it, and did it. Yeah, that was it. As I said, they, 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 they had been quarantined with us, and they they they're renting a house up in the Dublin Road, so they had moved out. So that was the opportunity to do it because we wanted to surprise them, so they had no idea. So basically, yeah, up into the attic, <laughs> take down all. Now, not everything, <laughs> not a full Christmas, but we made a good stab at it, you know. So we, we took down the tree, uh, and we, we did our usual the night before because when we put our Christmas tree up, we normally get a takeaway and yeah. Christmas song. So we did that the night before as well. So like we we tried to kind of emulate. The whole Christmas thing. The only thing was that I was tur- yesterday. I was asked where was the where was the turkey curry, you know. So I said it wasn't going that far. <laughs> but uh, it was lovely. It was a lovely. It was a really yes. enjoyable thing to do. We had our dinner. Uh, my friend Paula, her mom, uh, she she came all the way from Scaries with crackers for me. Uh, that was it to have Christmas crackers oh, on the Lord. table, and uh, she was brilliant. Yeah. And then after dinner, we played games, and it was just it was just a nice. A nice Christmas day in June. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, you've certainly done something that is so marvellous and wonderful. I take my cap off to you. I tip the cap to you and say, well done. And for Jordan, your son, especially because he missed out, you said it ain't going to happen. We are going to do this whenever and whenever was this week. Oh, Lord. We we talked about it so much. You know, know, like after Christmas, everything was so miserable and everyone Mm. was in lockdown and... You know, and we just said, imagine, I wonder when we're going to get to do Christmas again, you know. So like, it, it was a hot topic of conversation over the last five months in the McVeigh house. Well, so, um, yeah. as I said, when we, when we got them moved out and settled into their new home, because we, obviously we couldn't do it when they were there. So, um, yeah, as soon as they were gone, we thought, right, OK, that's what we're going to do. So, yeah, so so we had Christmas. So it was lovely. Yeah. And, and I, it'll be truthful. You know, when you say, I feel like I only put the Christmas tree away. Yes. Well, that is so going to be the case in December. <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, I really will feel I've just put the Christmas tree away. Yeah, you've cut the year in half. It's only six months rather than the full 12 till it comes round again. Lucky, lucky you. And I know Christmas lovers will be just smiling as they hear this today. Well, you know what? I always say it. You're a dynamo of a woman. You really are. Because you mentioned you're walking you only set off to do 100 days how many days are you on now uh, well I'm currently walking along the Boyne Canal which is why I'm a little bit out of breath yeah. and um, I, I'm on day 521 <laughs> of 100 <laughs> of 100 yes yeah. and I'll tell you keep doing the yoga I must talk to you about the yoga sometime you're entertaining <laughs> us with your yoga you're doing that for a year are you I, I'm going to do it for a year. Yeah, I, I, I normally do it in January and then I kind of fall off the wagon and I find it really beneficial to do it. Yeah. So I thought if I kind of set that, go, I, I'm very goal orientated as you can probably guess. So I thought if I set the goal to do it every day. So I mean, I, I could have it done at seven o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's 11 o'clock at night and it might yeah. be just like a 15 minute, but get the mass out, you know, spend a little bit of headspace. As I said, I'll, I'll be doing flips and, and cartoons. My aim is to try to do a headstand by day 200. That's what I am. Well, I'll tell you, goal. the betting has been suspended. You will do it for sure. Listen, away you go along the canal. Christmas Day in McVeigh's. You heard it on LMFM's Late Lunch. God bless you, Anne. You too, Jerry. Thank Take you. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. The wonderful Anne McVeigh. You just have to hand it to people, don't you? You really do. Coming up after two, Brittany McIntyre is here. Her autobiography. This girl has some story. But taking us to news and weather at two. Yes, it's the brilliant Van Morrison and Brown Eyed Girl. 
It's not easy. The riddle, I suppose they're not meant to be easy either. And there's no white smoke in Studio One either from um, Miss Louise Walsh. Let me read it for you once more. One more time. This is the final time for your riddle on Friday. If you like a little prize from LMFM's late lunch, well, enter the competition. Answers, please, to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Here it is again for the last time. My life can be measured in hours. I serve by being devoured. Thin I am quick, fat I am slow, wind is my foe. What am I? What am I looking for? My The answer, please. It's a mixed bag. I see them coming in there already. Some have it, others don't, I have to say. Think about it, do your best and send in your name and details with your answer, please. Some of your comments. We had Christmas in August last year, Jerry. Full dinner decorations and thanks to a Facebook appeal, we had over 100 Christmas crackers to pull. Isn't that great? That's a great house, says Santa's little helper. Only 204 sleeps to go. Ho, 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 oh my God. There is the king or queen of Christmas. They are. They are. Ever since I started this show, we've been hearing from that person, whoever they are, who just loves Christmas. Anyway, we still have a big summer and autumn ahead of us. And please God, everything going well with vaccinations and this blinking COVID thing. Anyway, you're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Welcome to the show if you're just joining us, if you're listening on your radio, on your smart speaker, online or on the app. Don't forget the app, the LMFM app. Download it to your smartphone and take us with you wherever you go. Now, my next guest in the show, I met her some years ago and she dropped in to talk to me about the Beautifully Broken Project. And I heard from her again recently for very good reason. She's only 30 years of age. She's not. She's 29. She's 30 on Bank Holiday Monday. She's from Dundalk and she's written the most compelling autobiography called Resilience. Brittany McIntaggart, hello again. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I have to say, your life in book form now is something else. And what a word you've used. The title of it, Resilience. By God, you needed resilience by the bucketful. Let's go back to the beginning. You're from uh, the United States of America, New Jersey. When I read about your mum and dad and family, in a way... A lot that happened to you during your life began from a very young age there within that family. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was, um, I describe it now as like I was born into it. I think like my fate, maybe not, maybe fate wouldn't be the right word, but I think a lot of it was predetermined before I was born, kind of like, I guess when my mom would have wound up pregnant with me. Um, and I think a lot of it started from that very moment. So once I was born, you know, there was just, it was the slow process of like a roller coaster effect, sort of. And, um, you know, there was no avoiding being born into the, the family dysfunction that I was born into. So, yeah, it definitely started from a young age. And I want to tell listeners when your mum discovered she was pregnant, your father was in jail. He was, yeah. And do you know what? I don't, I can laugh about it now, but it's not even funny. I don't think he was actually long out of jail when they met either. Um, he kind of like, he did go in and out of jail. Um, mm. for quite some time but again like when readers read my story they'll understand that I, there's not a whole lot that I know um, it's just drips and drabs that I've kind of picked up but yeah the the news was told to my father via a phone call in jail and my first two visits um, that are actually documented in photograph form are of my dad in jail and it's just like you know I mean there's so many people in the world do that do have that experience but 
you know, for me, it's just like, it, it kind of just annoys me as an adult now because, you know, I just wish that my, like, being that, you know, my mom and dad were going to become parents, I just wish it had been enough for them, especially more my mom, and, you know, that it would have been enough for her to change. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was definitely predetermined from a young age. And it was, it's hard for me to look back and think now, you know, everything looked okay. And, you know, it's not that I was wasn't looked after but it's the emotional aspect of what i had to suffer with then as well on top of the trauma mm, your dad was jim and your mom joy but joy indeed uh, her name but she became dependent on alcohol quite early in your lifetime yeah. even before didn't she and that was a huge problem yeah 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 no she was um she started drinking when she was 16 and, um, you know, it was only like a few years ago when I was talking to my mom, she was kind of telling me about, you know, how it started because I, I had asked her and she said, you know, I started drinking at 16 because her dad had actually left the family. He just up and left, mm. you know, my Nana with six kids. And, you know, I think a lot of that also played into a factor. But then you kind of think of the aspect, well, why didn't my mom want better for me? And why didn't she, you know, fight to have it better? Because she knew what it was like not to have a dad around. But I'm not blaming my mother at all. You know, I, I don't want to play the blame game at all. But, you know, you do ask these questions and you, you do wonder, well, don't you think that would have been the driving force to make things a bit different? But my mother was definitely alcohol dependent. My mother's still alcohol dependent. And um, so, you know, it's it has a hold on her. Um, in a lot of senses yeah it's a shocking thing when alcohol grips somebody it really is you know life for you growing up uh, you were only seven years of age when uh, social services came calling and you were taken from all that you knew you were taken into care yeah yeah I was taken I can remember it as clear as day you know I can remember the phone call I can remember going I can remember the trauma of it all I'll never forget it I don't think anybody that's ever in care does forget it but, you know, um, definitely it started, I, I had ADHD from a young age and I think it was too much for me to experience at that age. And I now as an adult am suffering with mental health issues because of the things that I was exposed to and had to deal with as a result of the things that were going on at home. You know, and that's why I'm so into the advocation of trauma and why I decided to write this book, because like, you know, you don't realize the effects on a child that an adult can have. You know mm. what I mean? Like you do and you don't at the same time. You know, um, I just, I get mad sometimes realizing that I have to fight this mental health battle that I, I have to fight because of what I was born into. But at the end of the day, I guess I was given this platform for a reason. So I can't really be too mad about it. Mm. I can only try my best at the end of the day. The 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 um, drug Ritalin you mentioned there you had um, ADHD or related matters and they gave you this this was given and prescribed to you and you were on it long term do you regret that mm-hmm. do you feel as you know you had no say in that you were just told to do it and you did it as a child if you could turn the clock back would you have taken that at all even though you do say in the book it settled things down for you. Yeah, well, I see the thing about my Ritalin medication was um, when you actually read up on it, you're not really supposed to give it to a child under the age of six. Mm. I was given to it at the age of five and I was given a full tablet every single day, a half in the morning and a half um, in the afternoon. And for me, it was it was a great thing because it definitely did settle me down to some extent. If I could turn the clocks back, yeah, I would definitely take it. But I actually stopped taking it myself when I was uh, I think I was about 14 
And I'm kind of glad now that I did because I would have wound up going on to something called Adderall otherwise. And that can be very addictive. You see a lot of people addicted yeah. to Adderall and, you know, it's a big, massive thing. So I'm glad that I kind of stopped self-medicating. You know, I decided to make the decision to stop taking it. Mm. But in many aspects, I kind of wish that I could have continued taking the Ritalin because I think that if I could have stayed on that, it might have helped a bit. Because I do still struggle with my ADHD. That's nothing, that's nothing that ever leaves you. Yes. You know, you just find as an adult, it affects you in different ways. And I think a lot of people misunderstand that. And a lot of people misjudge ADHD. There's so many people that don't think it exists. And they're so, so wrong. They really don't realize what, what it can do not being diagnosed as mm. well. You know what struck me as well at the beginning of the book? I just want to read this for listeners so as they know. And I don't want, I don't want to, like, I'm exploring aspects of the book. I'm not going to give away the whole book because I don't want, I want people to get this book and read it because it is powerful stuff. But this is at the very beginning. I just want to read this little paragraph for listeners. It says, through the book, there are different mentions of suicide, suicidal thoughts and various mentions of mental health. Also throughout, we would like to mention warnings of emotional and physical abuse, sexual assault, alcoholism, drug use and drug misuse, financial worries and trauma. You know, when you read that at the beginning of the book, it sort of does tee you up for this journey, as I said. You're only going to be 30 next week and what a remarkable journey this is and that you're still standing and a a fine young woman for it is a great testament, I have to say, Brittany, to you. I want to ask you this. What what brought you to Ireland? My wife. I I met my, um, well, she's my wife now. I met my partner in 2008 and um, I wound up moving over to Ireland in 2010 and it was rocky, rocky road, something that people will definitely read about in the book. But um, only for Onya, I wouldn't be in Ireland now. You know, I'm very blessed to have found somebody that has made my life what it is now. I'm very, very lucky. Um, you know, I needed I needed to give myself a second chance at life. And it, the way things happen when I met my partner and the way it's wound up to where I am today is just a blessing. And and you're with Anya 13 years now, you're married nine. When you came to Ireland, obviously, the landscape was different because uh, the vote changed things for same-sex marriage yeah. and that as well. Was that something that was euphoric for yourself and herself? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, we're technically in a civil partnership since we... Um, we signed our papers in 2012 and when the vote came in a few years later we were kind of going oh jesus we can you know we want to renew our vows now and we're together we're married 10 years next year and i finally hesitantly now i must i got her to agree to renew our vows and um, you know because at the end like at the end of the day when you think back like we didn't have so much as a photographer at our wedding jerry we didn't have makeup artists we had nothing so, you know it was very it was very personal and it was a beautiful day don't get me wrong but, you know, uh, what we wanted for ourselves is what we're going to put into our vow renewal. Do you know? And hopefully we're going to get that done next year mm. and we can, you know, actually say, oh, we're married. And, you know, if we ever go on to have a family, you know, the names can go on the birth certificates and stuff like that, you know, because it's only right at the end of the day. We're only human and we should be allowed to love and and do what we want as we please. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed with my wife. She is my rock. I just I don't know what I would do without her. And I also don't know what if I'm more excited about the book coming out on Monday <laughs> or her artwork being on the book because her artwork being on my book means the absolute world to me. I think a bit more than my actual book being printed, but sure, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> ah, but isn't that great to uh, have both of you involved with, with, with this launch uh, on Monday? Do you believe the landscape has changed? You know, attitudes to uh, two women being married, two men or that in the time even you've been with her and, and come to this country? 
Oh, absolutely. There's a big difference. When I first came over to Ireland, especially Jindok, there was, a, not that I knew and not that Onya knew, there wasn't very many, you know, same-sex couples. Mm. And, you know, you look now and there's so many and so many of them have started families and it's just absolutely beautiful to see. It really is. It really has changed. It seems like so, like, I wouldn't say taboo in Ireland, but it was just so on the hush-hush. Not many people talked about it. And then I think 2010, 11, 12 came along. And you start to see these more, you know, more people coming out and, and being who they wanted to be and who they wanted to be with. So definitely in the in the years that I'm living here, it has changed a massive, a massive amount. And it's just, it's, I think also with the, the pride celebrations that go each year, it also helps. It's just, it's great to see because it's only right at the end of the day. We're only human and we should be allowed to, to do and be with who we want to be with. The, the whole aspect of writing this book, of laying your life out for everybody, bearing your soul to everybody and some real dark times there are. There really are. I don't yeah. know how you came through them, I have to say to you again, but you did and here you are. Was it, you know, a healing in writing this? Is there any aspect of that in, in the background? Or, or why have you done this in not a biography at 30 years of age? There's definitely an aspect of healing. It's... um. I think it's a long time in the making. I've wanted to do it for so long and I wanted to write a book and tell my story to the world before I even experienced half of the trauma that I went through. And it's just crazy. It's kind of like I knew deep within myself that one day this would be purpose. And, you know, there is a healing aspect. I It took me a lot of nights not sleeping, a lot of nights crying and a lot of nights being angry at the computer screens, you know, writing and having to write things down and relive them because you are reliving everything at the end of the day. And, um, you know, it's a beautiful thing because when I had it finished and the day that I finally submitted it to my publisher, I thought, oh my God, I did it. You know, and I can't say that I'm super excited or proud of myself at the minute. And I don't know why, but I think Monday will come along and I'll feel different. I think I'm just nervous right now for... Um, what it's going to be perceived as. I just I just want it to be perceived well and I want people to understand why I did it. And I definitely have already felt some sort of like emotional healing. And I think when I see my book as, um, you know, a physical proof in my hands and I read it and know that I've made a difference in somebody's life and I'll know that my, my job is done, that'll be the healing for me. And um, being able to know that I came through the other side of everything as well is massive, you know, because I, I can appreciate now that, 12 years ago, I was very close to death. Do you know what I mean? And, and you know, it's it's very hard for me to say that, but I know that now, and I'm just so blessed to be where I am today. And I just want to make a difference in other people's lives. You have, and you will, may I say, because I read that part where you stared into the abyss. And yeah. it must have been a shocking place to be. Yeah, it's, it's very scary. I think especially experiencing it from as young as I was, um, you know, I'm just blessed to have the platform that I have. And there's so many women and men as well, you know, that are in abusive relationships and that are sexually assaulted and going and born into dysfunction. And they just don't get this opportunity. And I just hope that people don't think I'm being vain by doing this because I'm not doing it for that at all. You know, I'm doing this to make a difference in somebody else's life and to make sense of why I went through everything that I went through. And I just hope that, I can do that because that's what's important to me. I, I think from the word go, and we, we, we sort of specialise in books on late lunch and I interview a lot of authors and I enjoyed the stories and the many and varied as well. But may I say this to you? 
you know, you you didn't have to self-publish this book, and I, I'm nothing against self-publication, but an, a, a publisher picked you up and picked you up for a reason, and I ain't one bit surprised they have because you've done real good. Let me say that to you again, and always believe that. Don't be nervous. Don't be Thank worried. You. This is uh, really special what you've done now. Will you let them know what's going to happen? Obviously, things are different with books and launches and publications and everything at the minute. What's going to happen on Monday and where is this book? Yeah, so basically the the best way for people to actually follow the book and, you know, um, the launch details and the book signing and that's to come is um, on my social media accounts. So um, on Monday, I'm obviously going to be having birthday celebrations throughout the day, but I am going to try and do a live launch just to, you know, say thank you to everybody who's already pre-ordered the book and paid for it and stuff. Um, but people can follow me on social medias. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at the minute mainly. Um, it's both of the handles for both of those sites are Resilience the Autobiography. And I also have a website where people can currently pre-order their copy of the book. Um, and there's um, a 10% discount. And I'm also o- offering um, local delivery for free for anybody that wants the book. So the website's resilienceandautobiography.com. So resilience, just say just say that again, uh, because I missed it. Resilience and Autobiography, is that it, yeah? Yeah, so it's www.resilienceandautobiography.com. Okay, lovely, yeah. lovely. And lovely. Um, it'll be available on Amazon as well. I know a lot of people prefer to shop Amazon, which is absolutely fine. And it'll be available in the form of an ebook, and I think a Kindle and audiobook as well. I just need to double check that okay. with my publisher. Um, but yeah, it'll be available on all those things. And if anybody has any questions about it, you know, they can send it, um, a message to the Instagram or Facebook, and I can deliver locally. So brilliant! And uh, watch this space in the local and national bookshops to come. I promise you. Oh, www. So. <laughs> yeah, yes, dot com. Brittany. Well done to you. Lovely to chat to you again today. Happy birthday and I wish you all the best with the book and for your future. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Brittany McIntyre there. A remarkable young woman. A remarkable story. Yes, they're in love all these years. Counting crows on your late lunch this afternoon. I tell you, you'd want to count them in my back garden when I put the bread out. (laughs) There's that many of them not enough numbers count them love feeding the birds chase the crows for the little fellas you know what I'm talking about anyway they're all God's creatures and we had a great chat about crows with Niall Hatch a few weeks ago on Late Lunch such intelligent creatures they really are now when you're accepted onto Super Values Food Academy or into the Food Academy it's a huge step forward for any business it's a big thumbs up and an endorsement and it opens up new channels and it's the story, yes, this is the story about cool salad leaves. They're from RD and County Loud and I'm joined on late lunch today by Mark and Helen Dernan. Are you both Dernans? I'll ask you that question first because you are Helen McManus. Are you Dernans? We're married, but I just didn't take his name, Gary. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, great to talk to you on the show this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. Look, Helen, if I could just repeat that that I said there, this is a huge step forward for you. Oh, it is. We're absolutely delighted, Jerry. It was a great opportunity. We um, had to apply last year to the Academy, and it was quite a rigorous process. So we were thrilled with getting through, and we were in, you know, doing courses with them over the last six months. And at the end of that, in, in March, then we were successful to go through then onto the trial. 
yeah, it's a really big deal for a very small company like ours. So tell me, Mark, what are you growing there in terms of leaves? Oh, well, Jerry, how are you? Well, at the minute, Jerry, we are growing uh, some chard. We have uh, a leaf beet. We also do some mustards. And we do two two types of lettuce. We do a, a Lola Rasa and we also do a, a butterhead lettuce. Lovely. And rocket, bit of rocket and kale as well? Oh yes, we have to keep the rocket for the, for the winter months, Jerry, and the, the uh, sorry, the kale for the winter months, and then we have a nice little uh, rocket then during the summer. And the thing about you guys is the name. Uh, first of all, I nearly forgot to say that. Cool, you're cool, you're cool customers. Cool farm is that a name you've come up with, or was that always the name on your family place there, uh, Mark? No, this is the name. This we have a farm here, and that is the dress. It's cool, cool oh, RD. Lovely, yeah. So it's just tied in lovely because I think the name rings so easily off the lips and will stick in the mind as well. Cool farm, cool salads as well. It really comes together. The big USP, Helen, you guys have is, and I love this, there ain't an artificial pesticide or fertiliser in sight. Yeah, that's really important for us, Jerry. And yeah, it does make a really big difference. I mean, everybody that tastes the leaves would say the same. You can really tell the difference, the fact that we haven't tampered with the leaves in any way. Um, and it's just so much better for you. And a lot of people more than ever before are looking for that, aren't they? Food that's kind of good for you, yeah. that you know what's been put in the ground, you know what's been sprayed on them or not. And it's just really important. So yeah, we are. That's a really important part of what we do. And you don't even have to wash them, Helen. That's great as well. You know, the natural rain falls on them or whatever they get in terms of uh, irrigation, but there's no washing either, which is so positive. Are you, uh, Mark, uh, you mentioned the winter time there with the kale as well. Um, ha- have you covered in, uh, in any way, you know, like tunnels or greenhouses to prolong seasons at either end? Yeah, well, that's the great thing about uh, us here, Jerry. We're, um, we're a twelve. Uh, we supply uh, the whole year round here. So, John, this time of year, it's great. We can get the, the produce planted outside. And then uh, when it comes to the, to the shoulder of the season, then October, November, December, January, we have the tunnels. So we grow our produce. And there's, there's the, the, the the mustard and the mizuna is a very good grower during the winter months. They, they like the cold weather. And um, the tunnel provides provide, provide that little bit of extra protection Mm, oh yeah it's vital to have it so there you are you're going all year and you have something all year to, to put into uh, into super value or, or elsewhere that's a, that's a question I have for you I know you said Helen you applied for the academy last year and you're in this year does that preclude you in supplying independence or anybody else? No thankfully not I mean and that was another really important thing for us we wouldn't have went with the programme if that was the case because when we started in 2019 very small scale the support of the local shops here in RD was really what kept us going. You know, it's been wonderful. So we've kept with them and we will, we've grown those independent stores um, in addition to the super value. So we can do both. So it's great. It's not an exclusive deal as such. And we can continue with our existing stores, which we're also growing as well as in the super value chain. So it's great. Best, best of both worlds, I think. You're both uh, from farming stock. I know, Helen, you're a farmer's daughter and you're, what, fourth generation uh, there, Mark, uh, outside RD in Cool as well. What traditionally would the farmer have been and was this a big step for you, you know, to move in this direction? Yeah, well, Joe, traditionally we were probably producing beef here and... um, we were like for many years. I suppose the income wouldn't wouldn't be wouldn't be great, and, and as many farmers know uh, from that enterprise. So we're looking. Uh, so look at, I, over the years, we've met some great people over the country for growing uh, and selling uh, satellites, and we decided to give it a go. Uh, 
it was an opportunity to to maybe expand uh, on our own enterprise and it requires a lot less space than maybe traditional uh, you know uh, beef farming would would uh, would require mm. so that's how we got going from there Jerry and you're uh, I know completing a masters in organic farming at the moment uh, which is fantastic is it a big shift you know to go from let's say what is traditional using the chemicals uh, the artificial feeds and that to migrate in this direction Oh, not really, Jerry. It's more of a mindset. Um, I suppose we, we we've grown up over the years that you know you must open a bag of a bag of fertilizer to feed your crops. But um, as many organic farmers uh, and uh, realize over the years, there are many many years now that there's um, there's many different methods you can use. And uh, I think if you take care of the soil uh, in the best you can, it'll it will take care of you. Mm. And the plant in, in an orga- in an organic way, important to say by new- yeah. by feeding the soil. And I know what you're talking about. I do a bit of tone myself. I love growing my own on that, and I'm totally organic with it. And I, and I love it to be honest with you. But it's a small scale. Now back to you, Helen. In terms of again, super value. This is fantastic. How big can you go, or, or what are your ambitions or plans? How how uh, you know far can you push this? And um, well, it's the early stages. So at the moment with the programme, they have uh, allowed us to open up into the region. So that includes Louth and Meath. So mm. within that then, obviously, Meath is a particularly big county. So there's lots of stores there. There's about nine or ten stores there all in. And then beyond that, this, the actual course itself is 20 weeks. The, the trial, they call it, is 20 weeks. Then beyond that, we have the opportunity to go regional. For us, I mean, we're the type of produce that we have, we want to keep it kind of local and small scale because a big part of what we do is fresh it's very fresh jerry so we picked and packed yesterday and we had it on the shelves this morning so for us we don't really see how we'd fit anything beyond the region to kind of keep that sort of model you know because yeah we want to maintain kind of that longevity of the product so people can open it up several days afterwards and still enjoy it so we'd love to see if we can expand regionally and that's kind of where we're at but um, you know i mean who knows it's early days it is, of course, and it's exciting times for you as well. And, you know, that is pretty special as well, to be able to deliver within 24 hours on the shelves, fresh, grown locally as well. I often say when I see these uh, shelves in uh, big stores I visit with produce from the far side of the world at different times of the year, it's not my baby. I think the nearer you can be to your customer and the, the producer close by, you just can't beat that and you have it sussed out there. Anyway, how did the pair of you meet? Come on, Helen, tell us, how did you meet this fella? <laughs> that is actually a funny too long for this story um, but we met 15 years ago actually nearly to the day um, we just looked at the diary the other day I noticed Mark didn't funnily enough the date um, but at a friend's wedding a nice old fashioned Irish way when we used to go out to parties we met at my friend's wedding Ah, lovely, lovely. That's a great story. It is. You should put that into your uh, website as well and add a little <laughs> bit of romance in there to the beautiful salad. I admire you both uh, in what you're doing and where you're going with this. And again, if people are out shopping, it, it's on the salad shelves there. You'll see the, the package in Helen. Helen, it stands out. Cool salad, yeah? Yeah. It does indeed. Cool farm salad. Yeah, we are um, in the Loud Super Valley. We're in several of the meat ones. And then we're in a lot of the local stores. So around the Drotted area, we're in Tully Allen and we're in Forgefield. Great so some great stuff. stores were really, really, um, really supported very, very well around there. 
and yeah, that's that's it's available all in those places you mentioned and that's what it's about working together it's Nyart Lakela and supporting one another I love what you're doing continued success and growth to both of you and congratulations on the super value breakthrough thank you so much for joining me on late Thanks lunch so much, today Jerry. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye, Bye. Helen. Bye, Mark. They're great people, aren't they? Cool salad leaves from outside RD in County Loud. I want you to have a listen to this. My name is Bond. James Bond. Well, actually, it's not. It's Duffy. Eamon Duffy. But secretly, I've always wanted to say that. Anyway, join me this Bank Holiday Monday at 12 o'clock when I'll be counting down the top 10 James Bond theme tunes of all time. What would be in your top 10? Maybe this... Probably this. Definitely this. To find out what's in the actual top ten, tune in Bank Holiday Monday from midday and I'll count them down for you. Sorry, lads, but who exactly are all of you? My name's Bond. 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 My name is Bond. James Bond. You can't all be Bond, James Bond. Oh, don't worry. I'll have all these lads sorted out before Monday at midday. See you then. Bye. Isn't it simply... Brilliant. I mean brilliant. And 006 is here with me. Yes, Mr. Raymond Duffy, our own Eamon Duffy. And this is history. I've had nobody at that microphone in that seat for what, since March I'm 2020? Special. Huh? I'm special. <laughs> you I'm 003 and a half, by the way. I'm not, not 007. <laughs> Too small to be I'm doing you a favour. It's, it's very weird six. sitting here, by the way. I can sit in the other studio with the microphone open, but here I'm actually nervous. Look, look, my hands are shaking. <laughs> this Listen, is weird. Come off out of that. May I congratulate you on this wonderful production that's going out on Monday? I want to ask you this, Eamon. Thank you, thank you. Um, it's your top 10. Kind of. What do you mean, kind of? Um, I researched about seven or eight different top 10s. And they're all pretty much the same with the exceptions of maybe one or two songs. And some of the songs that are in the top 10 on other charts, I would have agreed with that. But when I put them all together, I went, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, not so sure about that one. I kind of devised. Now, it's, it's not my personal favourites because okay. there, are, there are parts in the show where I play two songs that I thought should have been top 10 yes. and weren't. Okay. But So it's a compilation of loads of top 10s, but... The best of them. You know I'm an old Bond. Oh, I know. Aficionado. I, I know. love him. I, I know really you, do. I love your Timothy Dalton story. By the way. <laughs> Go on, tell us it again. No, I, I met Dalton. I, they're probably sick of me telling them this. It was many, it must have been 30 years ago, 35 years ago, when he actually was Bond. It wasn't long after he was, you know, uh, the man, the 007. Mm-hmm. And we were fishing a lake called Ballinlock in County Mayo. And the three boats on the lake, we had two of them out mm-hmm. fly fishing for trout. And there was another boat out and we pull in the shore, <laughs> put the kettle on in the pan. The smoke went up and this the boat. This is what happens with fishermen. They see the smoke and down they came. As the boat pulled in, Eamon, orgasmic is the only word. Well, that's when word. I that's saw him, I, I, I'm nearly like your nervousness there. I didn't know what to say. It was Timothy Dalton. He was with his dad. They were big into the fishing. So the lads I was with, there was three others with me. So they hadn't a clue. Who is you know, your Timothy man? Dalton? Tim. Anyway, I met 007. We did. And we had a cup of tea and they had the sandwiches. And that's my little story of meeting James Bond all those years ago. But listen here. You're living off that story a while there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting mileage out of that one for Absolutely. sure. <laughs> but look, it, it, what about you and Bond? What's your, you know, you know, are you a... I'm a huge... Huge Bond fan. Mm. Um, I have a James Bond watch, which I bought in Belfast. Genuine true story. I was in Belfast about 10 years ago and I went into a pawn shop because I saw a Bond watch in the window and I thought, ah, it's no replica. And I said, how much do you want for that? 50 quid, he says to me. I bought the watch. 
took it home and it's got 007 you know that where the hands go around look at yes. 007 and I sent it in to get the link taken off it in Dundalk and the guy said to me uh, w- would you sell that I said ah, sure, maybe if I got 100 quid for it he said that watch is worth a fortune <laughs> It was an actual, <laughs> genuine James Bond watch. Brilliant. And before anybody's listed Barek into my house, it's not in my house. Uh, it's in a safe somewhere <laughs> in the box that it came what in. Would, what would you reckon? What, what, what Did you get it? You got a valuation. Yeah, it was about on. three and a half grand. And you bought it for 50? For 50 quid. <gasps> you want to be on one now, of them TV shows. 50 quid sterling. So that was about 65. <laughs> ah, my word. What an investment. Yeah, Antiques yeah. Roadshow. When Fiona Bruce arrives with the team, you bring you've got to go on Antiques yeah, About three and a half grand is what it's worth. What a great, never mind my story. That's a fantastic story. First Bond movie you ever saw? Doctor No. I saw it, not chronolo- chronologically. Yes. But I saw the very first Bond movie was Doctor No. Did you? Yeah. And loved it. And I've loved it ever since. Apart from Skyfall. I hated Skyfall. I thought it was crap. Yeah. Yeah, you know, people have different views on it. But Doctor No was the first one. But yeah. which one did you go to first in the cinema? Can you remember Ooh, your first cinema that would have been the one with Duran Duran, uh, A View to a Kill. Mm. With, I think, the best Bond, Roger Moore. I love Roger. He's tongue in cheek, and he's yeah. he's he's out there. You know that he could kick ten colours of crap out of you, <laughs> but still he'd smile with you and have a cup of tea afterwards. Whereas Sean Connery, he'd just walk away and go shocking. Yeah. I agree with you. I loved him, even though the you know the the fan clubs and everything probably wouldn't go down that road. But it, the first one I'm just looking at that I ever went to see was Live and Let Die, seventy three in the cinema, but. What age were you? <laughs> I was 12. You were 34, Jerry. Tell the truth. <laughs> I was 12. I was 12. off. Anyway, uh, I have, we have the full collection. My son has. I bought him when DVDs were DVDs. Yeah, the he box has every yeah. one of them on, uh, on DVD. And I know he loves them as well. And so many people do. Let me give you another one. Do you remember the little white car from A Spy Who Loved Me, the one that went underwater? Yes. If you had one of those in its uh, original box for Matchbox, unopened, which you would have bought for at the time in the 70s, maybe six quid, five, yeah. six quid. It'd be worth upwards of a grand today. My God. Unopened. Here's one for you, being top DJ. No, we don't open Number it. ones, Bond theme songs that have gone to number one. How many were there? I know. I'm not putting That's because you're reading up the script. <laughs> I know, I did my research. Uh, well, I know that Skyfall was number two in the UK charts. Yes, it's interesting. Um, I'm not going to leave you hang. I'm going to tell you. two. Two, you're right. Two Bond. You are right, yeah, Mr. Raymond Duffy. Yeah. Two Bond themes. I thought more went to number one. A very recent one from Spectre. Uh, number one, uh, Writings Sam on Smith. the Wall. Sam Smith went yeah. to number one in the UK. Yeah. The only UK number one. And one went to number one in America. It was A View to a Kill. Oh, Duran Duran went to number one in America. That's now, in the top ten, by the way. Is it? It is. So there's a little clue for you. Monday, what time? 12 o'clock. 12 midday on LMFM radio between 12 and 1 it's on with this man and I tell you I know I recommend it to you it's simply brilliant I will be tuned in make sure you tune in too you've done a great job I say it again now I'm going to finish today I don't think this is in your top 10 because I love this song but when I researched it like yourself it's the least favourite of all Bond themes it has to be Sheena Easton isn't it (laughs) it is it is. And it's a great me. song. It's a great song. <laughs> it's a great song. Anyway, Eamon, well done to you. Congratulations. Thank you, I'm Jerry. looking forward to Monday. Make sure and join him from midday. But here it is, the least favourite Bond song of all time. Typical me. I love it. Eamon Duffy, well done.
Now, your riddle on Friday. The riddle was this. My life can be measured in hours. I serve by being devoured. Thin, I am quick. Fat, I am slow. Wind is my foe. What am I? I'm a candle. Yes, a candle. When you think about it, it all describes a candle. Thank you indeed to everybody who joined in the fun and entered on WhatsApp or text. And uh, our little gift today is going to Liz Kerwin in Clarehead. Well done to you, Liz. You got the candle for sure. We'll have another riddle for you next Friday. Now, Lionel Richie, he's my artist of the week. And I conclude a story today. Did you know that Lionel married his first love, Brenda Harvey, in 1983? And they adopted a little girl called Nicole. However, sadly, after 18 years of marriage, they divorced after Lionel was seeing Diane Alexander, who he subsequently married. That was a second marriage. And he had two children with her, a son, Miles, and a daughter, Sophia. That marriage sadly ended in 2004 and he's been flying solo since. He's a granddad, too, to Nicole's two children. Now... Lionel's a huge supporter of breast cancer. He's raised over $3 million for research for the US Foundation. And this comes from his granny, who was diagnosed, listen to this, with breast cancer in her 80s. And guess what? She lived well until she was 103. Just shows you, doesn't it? Lionel himself had four operations on his throat and thought he'd never sing again until an acid reflux problem was diagnosed and corrected. Lucky him. Lucky us. Say you. Say me. You get the drift? Anyway, Grammy Awards, Golden Globes, Academy Awards, Lionel Richie has the lot. And today I round off a week about the man and his music with this one from the 1992 album Back to Front and previously unreleased until the album came out. Here it is. Love, oh love. Show the world Lionel Ritchie, my artist of the week and Love Oh Love from the 92 album Back to Front. Beautiful, beautiful song. Love, it's what it's all about in this life and the more of it we have, the better for everybody on this planet. If it could only be right round this globe, well, it would be such a different, different place. But we've got to work on it, simple as that. Another artist of the week coming your way next week on Late Lunch from Tuesday. Of course, we're off for the bank holiday Monday. Looking forward to the long weekend. And we conclude this week of Late Lunch, as usual, at this time, every Friday, with a look ahead to sport. No League of Ireland this week, Premier League over, GAA on a quiet weekend as well. But there is racing, the big meeting at Epsom. The Oaks is on this afternoon, the Derby on Sunday. We're looking to those and we'll be previewing the European Soccer Football Championships starting next week with the communications manager from Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche, after this short break. No League of Ireland this weekend, the Premiership on its summer break, the Premier League in England and of course uh, GAA taking a a down weekend in terms of football anyway. But there's plenty to talk about uh, this afternoon, horse racing and look ahead to the European Football Championship starting next week with the communications manager from Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. Hello Leon. Good afternoon, Gary. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for talking to me again today on the show. We do love you every Friday. Now, the racing, it is, of course, Epsom is the focus this week. And in a short while, not long now, one of the big races, the Oaks, uh, Leon. Well, what's to look out for here? Yeah, look, I mean, Kerry, the rain has certainly been falling at the Surrey track um, and the ground has now gone from good to firm to soft. 
Um, obviously it was a tricky situation to try and maintain the ground but the showers have arrived they finally just stopped but it's definitely got in so I think you want a filly that's going to appreciate the underfoot conditions and the favourite is going to be Santa Barbara of course finished fourth in the 1000 guineas at Newmarket for trainer Aidan O'Brien Zayada is a very interesting contender but she's got a terrible draw she's drawn in one and that has a very bad record at Epsom and what I'm going to put up Jerry at a big price is Divinely number one Aidan O'Brien and Shamie Heffernan team up I was looking back at Divinely's two year old form and she has won on soft to heavy ground so she's going to get that today she finished uh, fourth in her Oaks trial but she did her best work at the finish this is a mile and a half. It's going to take some getting. So I'm going to go for it divinely. Boyle Sports are paying four places each way at 18 to 1. There you go. A nice outsider there. A value in that one there. And if it wins, well, you're in the clover. Now the derby uh, takes place uh, on Saturday tomorrow at half past four. Um, and I'm looking at the lineup here. And uh, the one that jumps out is Bolshoi Ballet. Absolutely, Jerry. Look, he was. He's been so impressive in his two starts this year. He's got better with each run. Um, Aidan O'Brien and the Coolmore partners, they're only sending actually one horse uh, to actually go and compete in the derby. So the legend that was Vincent O'Brien always said, if you have to send more than one, well, then you don't have a real class one. Mm. So they've gone with the favourites. However, in a derby, there's only one horse in the entire Derby field that has already won a Group 1. And that's the one trained by Mr. Jim Bulger McSweeney. He won the Irish uh, 2000 Guineas. He actually raced against Bolshoi Ballet in Leopardstown, but they found they found a problem after the race. He's also won a Group 1 at 2. And I just think at the prices, Jerry. look, there's no reason why Bolshoi Ballet shouldn't be favoured. He goes there with a great chance. But McSweeney is 7-1, to one, or you might even get 8-1 to one tomorrow. I think he's a safer bet each way than trying to back the favourite at around about even money. So, for me, I'm going to keep it in Ireland, but I just think McSweeney each way, he could run a big, big race. There you go. Now, the European Football Championship soccer postponed from last year, and sadly, we won't be hosting games here in Ireland for good reason. But anyway, it's taking place across Europe. It starts next week, and the final is on the 11th of July. And before we hear what you have to say, I have to congratulate you. Last week for the Champions League, on this programme, Leon Blanche said Chelsea would win 1-0 in 90 minutes and they did it and not many people would have gone along with that but congratulations to you Leon on getting that one spot on last week. Yeah look thank you Jerry. look um, I had a couple of Euro on myself, I just thought Chelsea first of all, they were too big a price and when I seen the team lineup from Pep Guardiola he's definitely got to hold his hands up, he got it wrong, yeah. he didn't play a holding midfielder and it just really played into Chelsea's hands who I don't think many people could argue they were the best side on the night, but on to the European Championships and it's, it's in my opinion Jerry, it's an open looking uh, European Championships, there's no real standout side Kevin De Bruyne is going to at least miss the first game for Belgium. He's obviously got a facial fracture after that injury um, that forced him off in the Champions League final. So you're looking at a couple of the other sides. England, they've got home advantage, which will help them. Um, I think obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold is going to miss the tournament. He's out for six weeks now with that injury that he got against Austria. So I think they're going to bring in 
what they're talking about is either James Ward-Prowse off Southampton or else they're going to bring in Ollie Watkins off Aston Villa to give them a bit of a more balance to the squad. Mm. But I think looking at the sides, looking at the squads, there's two sides I'm going to put up probably against the rest. France, for me, are coming along quite nicely. They just seem to be clicking into gear at the moment. They've brought back in Karim Benzema um, after his international exile for a number of years. He should have scored two or three in their warm-up game. He hit the post. The keeper made a good save. He made a pen- he missed a penalty. But I think he's a really good, strong option at nine um, to play alongside Kylian Mbappe and Antoine Griezmann. But the other squad who I think could go a long way in this competition is certainly Portugal. They seem to have a really decent squad. Ronaldo's not getting any younger, but he's a big game player. And he will love nothing more than to go out, maybe retire from international football if Portugal were able to win another Euros, which they've already done, of course. So, look, it's it's an open competition, um, but I do like the look of those two squads. I think they probably have a good chance of going a long way in this year's Euro Championships. And Portugal are a good price because they're not among the real fancied side so there, there's a there's a nice option there you know what I mean Leon if they came in as you said they've won it before and I quite agree with you I picked them out I looked at the whole lineup there myself and I fancied them I said there's a side there good odds on there and, and worth a flutter what about England just before we finish up you know favourites at home do they they've always found it hard to carry that tag and that pressure they have you know look I mean you go back to 1996 Jerry, I suppose when the Euros was held in England, they got beaten by Germany in that semi-final on penalties. They probably were the best side back then. I remember the likes of Gascoigne, they had Shearer, they had McManamum, um, they had Teddy Sheringham. They just really had a really... um, attractive brand of football Garrett Southgate of course their now manager was the centre half under Terry Venables but I just the one Achilles heel for me about England is in the centre of defence Harry Maguire is clearly not fit I think he's their best centre half Um, John Stones Yes, he's improved, but I still feel, Jerry, that there's a mistake in him. In a big game, I just couldn't rely wholeheartedly on Stones. If I was an England fan, I'd be hoping that Gareth Southgate played three at the back. I actually think when he plays Kyle Walker on the right-hand side of a three, it actually gets two wing-backs into the side. Now, whether that's going to be Reese James, probably. He's a Champions League winner with uh, Chelsea. Kieran Trippier is a La Liga winner with Atletico Madrid. On the other side, you've got Luke Shaw, but I think Luke Shaw will lose out to Ben Chilwell. So for me personally, if I was picking an England side, I'd go three at the back, I'd play the four across midfield and the three up front, similar to the way Chelsea play, because you've got to look at the players you've got at your disposal. And I think with Walker on the right, they reckon Maguire will be back for the second group game, and then you can put someone else alongside him, whether it's Stones, it probably will be John Stones in the middle, Harry Maguire on the left of the three, Kyle Walker on the right of the three. They are a good team, Jerry. They've got Harry Kane, they've got Phil Foden, they've got the likes of Jack Grealish, Raheem Sterling. They do have goals in their side, England. I do predict they'll get to at least... 
quarterfinals, probably a semi-finals. But I just think when it gets to the business end, I think the experience of France and yeah. Portugal, who've won big tournaments in the last couple of years, I think that just might be the telling story with England. They might just fail, maybe at the last hurdle. Don't forget... They got to the World Cup semi-finals against Croatia. They had their chances to beat them and go to the final, but they didn't take them. Maybe they'll have learned from that. Well, it's going to be an exciting month of football for sure, and we'll be dipping in and out of it with yourself, Leon, over the coming weeks. But for the moment, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Have a nice weekend. All the best, Jerry. That's Leon Blanche there, communications manager with Boyle Sports, bringing us to an end of uh, late lunch today and for the week, this first week of June. Big thank you to all our guests during the week who joined us. Thanks to you for being with us every day. We love your company. We really do. I hope you have a lovely weekend. The weather is to be really nice and getting better than into next week. Take care and enjoy this bank holiday. Stay safe. And of course, the big opening up is continuing next Tuesday. We'll be talking about that here on the show. Big thank you to my producer, Louise Walsh. Couldn't do this without her. Thanks a million, Louise. And uh, Eddie's ready to go with the uh, drive next. Great show lined up for the next couple of hours. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. But do have a nice weekend and return here, please. Monday, not Monday, Tuesday. Yes, I'm off on Monday. It's grained into my head. Tuesday next, half one, and we uh, begin another new week of late lunch with lots of guests and interesting stories, etc., just for you. Take care of yourselves. See you Tuesday. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance. So let our van specialist, Danny, find the commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. 
Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.